Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I am, of course, your host with the most Phil Better. And today we have a very special guest joining us. He is the co-founder of Designing for Dex, a boutique pitch firm that has helped founders and investors build, build pitch decks, raising upwards to $2 billion. Yes, that's a B, ladies and gentlemen, that's billion. Um, as well as founder of Read with Love, a unique cloning audio service, audio book service for busy, educated-minded parents. Our guest is active in the startup and digital entrepreneur scene since seen as a consultant, mentor, and founder. So please give a warm welcome to our guest, Sam Eisenberg. Sam? Hey, Phil. How are you doing today? I am doing great. I know it's very early or maybe very late, depending on how you want to look for it for you. So we'll try and uh, make sure we don't keep you up too late or so that you can get some uh, rest before the start of your day. But I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much. I, I super appreciate the introduction. I feel like I should always bring you with me. <laughs> I'll, hey, if you want to pay me to travel around introducing you in into the world, I have no problem with that. But um, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself to my audience. So uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, as Phil said, I currently have two businesses that keep me quite busy. The first one is going to be designed for decks where we design investor and pitch decks. That means both for startups who are raising capital from investors and from investors who are raising capital from other investors. And the second business is Read With Love. That's a more recently launched business where essentially uh, many busy parents f don't have don't find themselves unable to make it to bedtime or find themselves on business trips. And what we do is we take a parent's voice sample, we clone it, and then we create stories for their children so their children can have something that sounds pretty similar to their voice and allows them for, you know, have a more personal bedtime experience than if they weren't there. I love that. And we're going to talk about both of both of those points, because I want to know the, uh, the, the spark or the origin point of these, uh, these companies that you, uh, you currently run, but I want to go back to the beginning and wondering why did you start to become a digital entrepreneur? What was it that drove you over here? I, I love the question. So the truth is that it kind of just fell into my lap initially. Uh, when I was quite young, uh, 12 years old, actually, my brother-in-law, who uh, had a pretty strong career in the world of physical commerce, you know, in terms of, you know, stores, uh, he went out on his own, he started his own store, and his results were just not what he needed them to be. So he, someone advised him, said, hey, Stephen, maybe you should be opening a website. And he said, listen, I'm already running a store. I'm having, you know, I'm doing whatever I can here. I don't have that much time to dedicate to it. So he went, he built a store, he used a Yahoo site builder. And then he uh, turned, you know, at one point he turned to me and said, hey, Sam, like, you know, you're interested in a lot of things. Are you interested in getting involved? And I said, oh, I'd absolutely love to. So uh, at 12 years old, I was very cheap labor. <laughs> and honestly, I was super excited by it. I was super excited by the responsibility. I was super excited by the opportunity. And I knew I had a ton to learn from him, which I did and I do. So uh, I dove in, spent a lot of time uh, learning different ways to market a business with zero marketing budget. Uh, I tried a lot of things that were absolutely terrible. Um, and made, to make a long story short, uh, it took three months of effort till we got our first sale. 
And the way I got that sale was from by posting on Craigslist local sites and getting kicked off a lot of them as well. <laughs> um, we doubled down on that tactic. We started getting like a sale a month and then we started finding some better channels. And um, 17 years later, the store is still running. It's multi-channel. Uh, I'm no longer a part of the business, but that's where I started my in the world of digital entrepreneurship way back then. So you've been doing this for at least a decade, I'd say, right? Maybe closer closer to two decades. How did you get from taking care of an online store and figuring out how to market in the OG days of marketing websites to helping founders pitch or or investors pitch? How did where did that leap happen? Because that's a quite a huge difference. Yeah, so uh, I'll skip a few steps along the way, but starting starting from somewhere, I I was working in um, in organizations helping them design educational content, you know, courses and and the likes for their audiences. So I was doing that quite and enjoying it a lot. Uh, anyways, one of my one of my friends uh, took a leap of faith, uh, left his career, and decided he also wanted to go uh, and launch a course. So he. He, he hired me. He basically hired me as a consultant to help him build and launch this course. And while we were doing this, we got a very interest. He got a very interesting offer, not even me, to work with a very prestigious organization. And he said, to tell you the truth, Sam, I don't really want to do this myself. I think it would be helpful if I had you as well. So he we, we pitched, uh, we sent in our proposal together. Uh, ultimately, they rejected us. They didn't end up accepting us. But first of all, we had a huge ego boost from the fact that they considered us or really considered yeah, him. It's, it's <laughs> a, a huge, Hey, we want to work with you, pitch us. And then they say, no, what, whatever. They still had that. Wow. That's an yeah, awesome. Yeah. And even the no, the no was just based. Uh, they, they chose someone who, who gave them a lower quote. And we were like, honestly, we didn't want to work at the lower price. And second of all, we learned that we really enjoy working together. So while I was still doing my primary job, uh, we opened a, a growth marketing agency together. He was, in many ways, the growth marketing expert. I did have some experience. And then I was uh, on the operation side. I love building systems. I love making things work. I love dealing with people. So uh, we had this going quite nicely and, and we had a really nice client flow. And then uh, lo and behold, uh, one a client fell in our lap. His name is Jack Zerby. And he is a world-class designer, uh, taught at FIT, has uh, 35,000 plus students on Skillshare, head of design at Vimeo, head of design at Gumroad. And he said, you know, I really love teaching. I really want help building a course. And my partner turns to me and says, Sam, this is you. <laughs> so um, I, we met with Jack and we started building out a masterclass and we started selling it and everything was all good. And then I turned to Jack and I said, Jack, we're teaching people. One of the thing, things we were teaching was how to build pitch decks. I said, why don't you do it? He said, well, I am doing it and I was doing it. He said, but I found the process to be so stressful uh, you know, the different dealing with the clients in the middle of their race, there's a lot of pressure that I just don't enjoy doing it. So I said, Jack, you do this well, your clients love you. Uh, you have leads, you know, a lot of leads coming in. May, let's try to figure out if we can make this something you enjoy. So I took, I sat with Jack, uh, went through his process, broke it up into a lot of steps and figured out what are the pieces that are working well? What are the pieces that aren't working well? And we said, let's try this experimentally. We started building it out. And all of a sudden, on one of our uh, master classes, one of our client jumps in and said, "I need you guys to do my deck," and offered us a very, very nice sum of money to do it. Uh, Jack couldn't say no, and we had this experimental framework in place, uh, and we did the first one, and you know it had its road bumps, and then we did a second one and it had its road bumps, and then as we're smoothing them out, he said, "Yeah, I think this could be a business," 
And ultimately, we partnered up, set up the business uh, largely as a, I, w- I would say, a side hustle. And now two years later um, and over $2 billion raised later, it's a uh, pretty, I mean, I, I wouldn't call it something that takes up my full time, but it is uh, a pretty, uh, it's a business. <laughs> No, but it, it. I like how you said it. we started as a side hustle because Jack was like, yeah, we can, this can make some money. And it's always like, like most large investors and millionaires and billionaires, they have multiple streams of income. Having this little stream of income, even if it's minute, still compounds over time. Like you said, in two years, it went from a side hustle to something that's not maybe your main hustle, but your main, your bigger priority while you set up this second so you're, you're you're essentially your second side hustle yeah yeah absolutely so that, that's that's exactly what it is i mean we we set it up as a side hustle we still it operates very efficiently um the way we work with our team the way we work with our clients it's all systematized our clients love it uh we we enjoy it and now we in order to grow we just need to put our you know put our foot on the gas and start bringing in more clients and we recently started doing that as well so yeah I, um, I love I love that for you. Um, were you always interested interested in uh, systematizing things like just working systems and all that, or is this something that you grew to uh, essentially love? It's it's kind of my nature. And the funny thing is, uh, I speak to I, I have six siblings. Um, I speak to my I speak to them all the time, and they're all the same exact way. So I guess it's something that either. It's in our genes or our parents embedded in us. I'm not sure what it is, but all of us and whatever, we all work in very different industries, but we all do the same in the places we work. So yeah, it's something I've always enjoyed um, and it's come in handy, you know, even when you don't have a strict expertise in a niche, but you can partner with an expert or you can come in and help turn something that's already running to run a lot more efficiently, a lot more, be- a lot better. I love that. Um some of the companies, I know you may not be able to reveal anything because of NDAs and all that, and that's that's quite fine. Um, when they come in, what what are some of their states like? Like the state of their their idea or their pitch, and that like, how do you take their thing and make it into the pitch that ends up closing the the investor? Like, can you take us through a, like an overview of the process? Yeah, so we're we're actually hyper focused on the design side, um, and there's a, this big misconception around design that I myself held until probably two years ago. That design is about you know making things look pretty, about making things feel on brand or professional. Where in reality, design is a critical part of communication, and we know this. We all know this to an extent. You know, we see it on landing pages how they make us feel, but we're not always fully in tune with it. In pitch decks, because they're so high impact. Investors see so many decks and, you know, they have such a short period of time to really understand what this new business idea is, that the design communication is so critical. So that that's um, what our process really is, is we're taking decks, usually at the state where they know that they have their narrative, even if they're still adjusting it, they have their content more or less in place on each slide, but they're not, you know, not, but they want to make sure that their messaging is extremely tight. And then we say, what we do is we actually, we flip the table. We say, don't pitch me your company, give me your deck, and I'm going to pitch to you what I understand. And basically what we're doing with that is two things. First of all, we're making sure that their content is actually clear, because if it isn't, no matter how good the design is, the deck won't be good. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a value add. We're not here to do that, but we, we, you know, we've seen enough decks, we've worked on enough decks that we do have where to give value there. The second piece is, is that we want to make sure that we're catching what's the main message. Every slide should have one main message that you want to stick in someone's head. 
And if we're not able to tell them that based on looking at the slide, it means that there's something not communicating correctly in terms of the hierarchy, in terms of the priority, in terms of where something is placed. So uh, I'm not the designer, right? I have a team of designers. At this point, I do have a pretty strong understanding of it. But we want to make sure that we understand what is the main message they want to get out on each slide. We ask them that. And then based on uh, design communication tools we're using, we then go and build it that way. So that's in terms of sizes. That's in terms of spacing. That's in, in terms of placement. And with charts and graphs, the types of graphs we use. Um, I, can, I can give an easy example. A classic, a classic competitor slide that you'll see in many presentations, not just pitch decks, will include an X, you know, an X and a Y axis, and then quadrants. And then you're going to place your company somewhere in the upper right quadrant, and you're going to place, you know, all your competitors somewhere else along the line. And, and a lot of people do that with, you know, pitch decks as well. In our view, when a person has about three seconds to grasp your slide, that's a critical error. Because first of all, it, op it opens more questions than it answers. When I'm looking at that slide, I'm always thinking, hey, you know, why are they somewhere on the top left? I find it less difficult to use or whatever, whatever you're comparing on. Mm -hmm. The second thing is that it makes it a little bit difficult for me to, to have that message in my head that we're much better and why. You're only comparing on two different factors, whether that's speed or price or turnaround time, or whatever it is you're comparing on. Whereas a simple chart that any of us can build communicates much more effectively. You put your company on the top row or the leftmost row, depending on how you structure it. And then you go, uh, you show, you differentiate yourself in five or six different features that you have. Your, 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 your um, competitors only have one or two or three of those. And right away, A, I understand why you're different and better. And B, the headline is, wow, you are so much better than your competitors. You check up a lot more boxes than they do. So that's just like a simple way to illustrate what design means. And that's what we're really focused on doing, making sure that we're taking their content and using design to drive that point home. I love that, how you're using content, which is such an important place right now in the, uh, in the, in the world and uh, to grow businesses, but also to grab the attention of who you need to uh, talk to. And that differentiate with the because uh, I've seen those those four quadrant graphs and it's like okay yeah they're, that's pretty and you're it's spaced out but like it doesn't tell you anything like you said it doesn't give you any information whereas a, like a simple drop down chart where checking boxes tells you so much in like thirty milliseconds. Um, when you were connecting with these individuals who most most of us here don't have are it's the next level when you're dealing with someone like jack or uh even bigger was there a a moment in your life where you're like this like this an imposter syndrome popping up Ooh, absolutely absolutely you know um we've all heard all the different mantras and and rules around what makes someone an expert you know uh, malcolm gladwell's right ten thousand hours which i don't buy into but that's that's for another conversation <laughs> all these various different ones um, I, I've been in this, the pitch deck industry now just over two years. Okay. I knew a little bit about it before, but I spent those two years saying, I'm not, I don't want to be just the operations person. I don't want to be just the person who speaks to the clients. I need to understand this. So I, I spent a lot of high impact hours learning from my partner, helping him design educational curriculum, helping him design workshops, learning from, you know, all the biggest experts in the world, the, the biggest investors and biggest pitch deck experts. And I'm now at a point where I can confidently say I'm not top. 10 in the world, I'm not to have 20 in the world, but I'm definitely, I'm pretty confident I'm at this point top 1,000 in the world, which I know is not, maybe it doesn't feel like a huge feat, but to me, the fact that I've gotten there in two years is pretty big. And, and I'm leaning on my partner who, 
in, in my opinion, is uh, top 10 in the world. But that's that's my subjective opinion. Um, if in two anyways, years you went from top billion to top thousand, that's amazingly impressive when you're just yeah. hyper-focusing and investing in yourself. Yeah, exactly. So it's just the, the knowledge is out there. You just need to know who, who to follow and who to learn from and how to leverage it and how to make sure you're getting that and absorbing that information. So that's what I did. And now it's come to a point where I'm not just recognized as you know the operations person. Against my will, I have people reaching out to me for pitch deck advice, people who you know either wouldn't pay for our services or may not be a good fit for us for various other reasons. And I found myself helping a lot of entrepreneurs. And one after another, after another, they, they say, wow, Sam, that's extremely helpful. And, they, and the reason I know they mean it is because they either always come back to me for follow-ups or refer me friends. <laughs> uh, and once I got to that point, I started mentoring around that. I mentored in a few communities. And then one thing led to another, and I started getting um, invites to present to live audiences. And I, I did two of those last month. I just got, uh, not last month, I'm sorry, two months ago. I just got an invite to another very large event in May. Um, I have an invite to an event next month as well. And it, it each time, each time there's some elements of imposter syndrome. It's like, hey, Jack is the expert. I'm the operations guy. But each time after my presentation, when I get the feedback from, you know, from the crowd, from the organizers, from whoever it is, that's always extremely reassuring. So the answer is yes. Imposter syndrome hits me all the time. Uh, and all the time afterwards, I'm, you know, I'm always like, Sam, what do you, what are you overthinking this? People appreciate it. People are leaving you positive feedback, you know, thank, thank God left and right. Like people are raising money using advice you've given them. So, you know, uh, I hope at some point it disappears, but I'm not sure it will. <laughs> um, now that you have, you know, designed for decks and it's pretty much nearly automated and you're, you're getting this enjoyment of talking on stages, presenting in that and helping more and more entrepreneurs, you started Read With Love. How did that come about? Like, why did you decide to create uh, autom- uh, AI voices for stories for parents? Yes, it's a really good question. And, and the background of, of that is important, too. So uh, at this point in my life, I'm kind of trapped in the world of digital entrepreneurship, meaning <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I was born and raised in New York, moved later in my life to Israel, which obviously has a thriving tech scene as well. And two years ago, um, my wife decided after we have two kids, she decided she wanted to study in medical school. And Israel has a close partnership with Hungary. And ultimately, we moved to Budapest, Hungary, where we live now, and where she's studying in medical school. So now I find myself in a, a country where I don't have much of a network. Um, I don't speak the language. And I don't, even, I don't even have citizenship, you know? So I'm, I'm, I have to be working digitally. I have to be evolving digitally. So that's, that's the first important piece of context. The second important piece of context is because my wife is in medical school, I've now found myself taking on the role of very, very busy parents. You know, uh, we, do, we do thankfully have a lot of help. My kids do go to school, but as any parent knows, you know, kids get sick uh, and whatever else. And I'm, you know, trying to do that while maintaining my businesses and my mentoring, consulting, or whatever else. So I, I always, I, I tend to keep an idea pad of ideas that are interesting to me. And I have a notion pad that's now like I don't know, 36, 37 ideas long, and I have a, a process I put it through. And each idea, very many of them, I eliminate based on the fact that, hey, as a business owner, as a father of two, I just don't have the bandwidth to develop them. And that's just being fully honest with myself. Even if I love the idea and I think there's a market for it, I'm just, I don't have that time. This idea I I hit on, I don't know where the inspiration came from, but I was reading about, um, you know, generative AI, right? It's a very hot topic now. And I was reading about voice, I was reading about voice cloning. I said, hey, like, how good is it actually? 
So uh, I downloaded a voice cloning program, gave it 10 minutes of, you know, my voice. And it came out and I said, wow, that is really good. And then I, I don't know if the idea was inspiration because my wife gives my kids audiobooks sometimes or maybe, I, I don't know what it was. I turned and I said, you know what? My wife is rarely at bedtime. Maybe my kids would appreciate hearing her voice at bedtime. So I said, let's try it. I had my wife record for 10 minutes, cloned her voice, took a, you know, a classic bedtime story. I took Hansel and Gretel. That was the first one I took. Played it for my daughter and she loved it. And I said to her, I was like, I said, do you, you know, do you know who that was? She said, yeah, it's mom, obviously. I'm like, no, it's not mom. It's actually like, you know, a robot. And she's like, no, she's like, it's mom. Like, don't be silly. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is pretty powerful. So to me, I, I, I can tell, you know, that as a robot, it's not perfect. Yeah, voice cloning isn't 100% perfect. You know, they don't, it doesn't have the full emotion and all of that. But the fact that my kid loved it so much, I said, wow, maybe there's something there. So I went, I tried it with a few more kids and the same thing. The parents are like, hmm, this doesn't sound 100%, but, you know, we'll try it with our kids and their kids loved it. So I went, I went ahead and I tried to see like, you know, building the unit economics and trying out different providers and building systems and hiring, a, a, you know, a, someone that I can train this on this as well. And I built it out uh, just a few months ago and things moved slower than I would like to, but it's built out. It works. Uh, we're starting to get our first paying customers. We have now, I think our sixth order just came in, you know, not a huge number, but we do have people ordering it and we're getting feedback, excellent feedback and also critical feedback. You know, we're, we're still new. We're still learning what we're doing. And I respect that. And I, I, anytime I get critical feedback, the first thing I do is try to hop on a call with the person or, or send them an email to like really understand, like we want to make this really good. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And make sure obviously to take care of them as well, because they're our first customers. They're our, our big believers. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where it is. It's a, uh, it's a tool, you know, I tried with my kids and they enjoyed it, tried with other kids and they enjoyed it. And now bring it to the market and see, see what the market thinks about it. I think it's a, it's a genius idea because it allows parents like, like busy parents to, you know, have these great assets. So when they are traveling and they're like, Hey, I can't be there for bedtime, but you know, you can, it was, it's like the Teddy Roxberries when we were younger. I don't know if you had Teddy Rock. No, not familiar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm aging myself. My God. Um, I never thought that would happen. It was a, just a teddy bear that you could put a tape in and it would just talk to you but it was a pre-played tape again i'm old we had cassettes so but people would play around with it and put like acdc in it and now you have teddy ruxpin shout singing acdc right so it's similar to that old technology where we want to hear stories right but we now you get it even more familiar with thanks to you and this the, the voice voice cloning yeah. And, and I think it's cool. I, I think it's really cool. And like, I, and as I speak to more people, parents, uh, you know, people who express interest in the product, I'm learning more and more about, you know, additional audiences and additional use cases. The, the one that keeps coming up, which I'm, I'm very hesitant to pursue is people saying like that, you know, people who are soon to die can create kind of like a legacy for themselves and have a voice for their children and grandchildren. Uh, I know there are actually organizations doing that. I'm, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable in that role just yet, uh, but that does exist. Uh, obviously military parents is a very, a very relevant use case. Uh, I, I did serve in the military, but I wasn't a parent at the time. And for that, that's a definitely an interesting audience. And, and I'm finding more and more and more. And I found even uh, one of my first adopters who was a woman who said she actually is there for bedtime, but she's so wiped at bedtime. She said, She'll just play it for her kids and sit next to them and like, you know, interact with them. They'll have questions and it's fine, but at least it feels somewhat more personal. So 
yeah, we're learning as we go. We're adjusting, trying to improve user experience, trying to improve output. And uh, the other thing that's really in our favor is the technology because the technology just keeps getting better and better, uh, which is really cool. I love it. And I like how you're, even though you're you're not at the perfect point yet, you understand that it's a constant fail to perfection or fail to the best product for your client. And you're always trying to reinvent and you're, you went on a, a, probably a hub hub together idea to where you are today and you're still making it refining and refining. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping that I, you know, I'm going to keep doing this there. I, I, I envision this will keep going for a long time. That's my intention. That's why I built it. But, uh, the, you know, if I at some point feel that the time isn't right, then I also won't have to shut it down. It's something that exists in, in the digital space. I have the SOPs. I have everything built. And, you know, maybe I'll say I don't have enough focus to give to it or maybe the market's not taking as fast as I want it to. But because the technology is improving so much and because the market is evolving, it's something I can always quickly revisit if I do go that route. Yeah, it's just this little thing that can continually grow as the time goes and you can pump in when you need to pump in and or just let it coast along. Um, we are coming to the, near the end. I do want to hear a memory um, or uh, something that happened that cemented a, cemented your why of why you're a digital entrepreneur. Hmm. Wow. There, there's a lot of them. There really is a lot of them. But... Uh, I would say without a doubt, getting that first order when I was 12 years old in a world I knew nothing about using a tactic that I had zero optimism. I mean, I tried a lot of tactics that that one I was able to see in Craigslist. They they showed me the ticks as people were visiting. I said, oh, I'm getting visits. You know, some of those eyeballs will will turn into buyers or I hoped. Um, And there was a lot of like optimism around it, but also a lot of doubt at the same time. Like, I don't know who's this brand, you know, I'm posting at Chicago boards and Los Angeles and Phoenix and wherever else. And all of a sudden you say, hey, someone actually went and ordered based on a post I did. Someone I've never met, someone I have no interaction with. I didn't spend $1 on this. I just posted and they went and ordered from our website. And that was definitely like after three months of like trying so many tactics and finding something that worked or, you know, at face value worked. I said, wow, this is an incredible world. And I actually, I decided, I don't know if it was at that very moment or maybe a little bit later, that I'm going to build websites. <laughs> I'm going to build websites and build web stores. And the truth is, I it, that would have been a terrible idea. I'm just, I'm not that good at it. And um, there's a lot of people who, who do it much better than me. And there's a lot of, at this point, platforms, Shopify, and I like to make it super simple. But uh, that was what I decided. And I actually got paid by two more people to build websites for them. They're both quite terrible. Um, but I did do that. And uh, only later, like, you know, well, after high school, uh, high school, military, uh, only at that point did I actually come back and revisit it and dive back into it. But I think that little seed planted at 12 years old has definitely set, set the tone for the next 20 plus years. Oh, I love that. I love how it was that first seed 12 years ago, the trust that someone had in you to invest in your, uh, your knowledge. Uh, we're coming to the spark question of the show. Um, love these questions. And um, I would like to know, or the question is name something you'd like to celebrate with me. Is there a recent win that you've had that you haven't had a chance to celebrate and you would like to celebrate with me today on the show? Yes, absolutely. Um, wow, there's been more than one, to be honest. It's been a, it's been a tough few months followed by a good few weeks. It's some funny how things work. Uh, 
I had, let me, let me just think which one I want to share one second. Give me one second. <laughs> Take your time. Um, yes, this is definitely it. I had today, actually, a person reach out to me and said, that found me on a mentoring platform where I do mentoring for free and said, I want you to review my pitch deck and I want to pay you for the consulting. This was someone I didn't have to let them know I offer it. They didn't ask me for, it wasn't me a landing page, which I'm actually just building. Um, it wasn't It wasn't me, you know, someone knew me before. They saw me online. They saw my profile. They saw my feedback. And they said, I want you to review it. And I don't want to wait for a call next week. I want to pay you to review it. And they actually have already paid. They've already paid. Jeez. They've already sent me their deck. And to me, yeah, to me, that's definitely a huge turning point. So thank you for asking me that. It's, it's, I'm reflecting on that now, and I'm quite excited about it. Awesome. <laughs> I, I love it because just recently um... – I started celebrating my wins because I was like, oh no, even get landing a client. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. I need to, I need to continue. I need to continue. And I didn't take the time to celebrate that. So I love how you, you, I got you to take the moment to celebrate that. And you're going to continue to think about it because I did the exact same thing and posted about it because I think it's important to celebrate, even though you're dealing with like people who are making billions and billions of dollars in that and moving big things, the little wins for your start small business that you're going as well is just as important. Thank you, Phil. Yes, I appreciate it as well, because I, I didn't fully reflect on it until this very moment. So re really, thank you. You're welcome. Um, Sam, I'm going to jump off the screen. I'm going to let you let my audience know where they can follow you, you check out any of your businesses and how that you can help them. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Phil. I appreciate that. Um, so yes, uh, designfordex.com. We try to keep it simple. That, there you can find our, you know, our deck business. We're going to be publishing soon more resources and actually refreshing our website. So if, you, if you're seeing this after uh, March 1st, then fantastic. Um, as well, uh, Red With Love, that would be R-E-A-D-W-I-T-H dot L-O-V-E. That's the website. You can check it out. If you have feedback, if you have thoughts, if you have ideas, please send them to me. Uh, I'm not all that active on social media, but LinkedIn, LinkedIn, you can find me at Sam Eisenberg, Sam uh, Shmuel, my uh, Hebrew name, S-H-M-U-E-L Eisenberg. And I would love also, feel free to connect with me. Feel free to send in your comments. Feel free to get in touch with me. Um, and I also do share pitch deck tips for uh, the broader audiences there as well. So if that's something that interests you, follow along and um, let me know where I can help. So thank you so much. I appreciate your listening today. I appreciate you joining us. And especially you, Phil, I appreciate you uh, inviting me and having me on your show. Thank you so much. Sam, it was a pleasure. I had an enjoyable time talking with you, learning about your your story, how you created Pitch Deck, how you grew into the role, and how you uh, you created a new one from just uh, taking something that you needed to get done for your kids and knew how important it was for yours. I thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. To my audience, as you know, the show notes will have all the links to connect with Sam, specifically his, his uh, LinkedIn, because... That's where most of his content is. I highly suggest you start following him because he, if you're looking to pitch something, he can help you out there. So make sure to check out that. And as always, remember to invest in yourself.